unlock the power within you, discover the untapped potential waiting to be unleashed. You Are Worth More isn't just a book, it's a transformative guide to understanding your unique value in today's ever-evolving marketplace. Visit youareworthmorebook.com and claim your free copy. Within these pages, you'll unravel the secrets to identify your distinct strengths, refine your skills, and ignite the passion to pursue your true worth. Life isn't just about survival, it's about thriving. This book is your roadmap to not only surviving, but excelling in a world that demands your best. It's about recognizing your potential, developing your talents, and finding the inspiration to chase after what truly matters to you. Let You Are Worth More be your companion on this journey. It's not just a book, it's a catalyst for change. Empower yourself, elevate your skills, and embrace the opportunities that await. Visit youareworthmorebook.com today and embark on the path to realizing your full potential. Your worth is far more than you might imagine. Claim your free copy now and begin your transformation. Welcome to episode 589 of the TerryWilson3.com podcast, where we're ringing in the new year with a special homecoming episode. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Terry's oldest son, Reagan. Many of you might remember Reagan as the former ticket support team leader at TW3. Together, Terry and Reagan are diving into a lively discussion filled with their favorite topics, sports, business, movies, and so much more. This episode is a blend of nostalgia and excitement, and we can't wait to share some insights and stories with you. For our longtime listeners, this is an episode you definitely don't want to miss, so sit back, relax, and let's get started on this exciting journey into 2024 with episode 589. Welcome to TerryWilson3.com. Home of TW3. Are, are, are you ready to take your money, business, and life to the next level? You are worth more, and you're about to hear how and why. So buckle up and listen up as we journey to the next level. Please welcome your guys to reach your goals, the TW3 family. family. You're listening to TerryWilson3.com. TerryWilson3.com. Inspiring, informative, and entertaining content for the entrepreneur and small business owner. All right. We're on. We are recording. It Thank is. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I have a special guest in the studio today. Um, hasn't been here. And when's the last podcast you were on? Uh, my guess would probably be about a year and a half, maybe two years, something like that. So, where have you been? What are you doing? Oh, what's going on? Did, uh, did you oh. just get sick of uh, working with dad? <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I was just tired of all your BS. No, uh, you're a slow learner. Yeah, yeah. Well, my father likes son, right? Um, no, I, I'm still in school. People have been listening to the podcast for like four or five years now. They're like, "Holy hell, this guy's still in school. When's he gonna graduate?" Slow but, uh, learner, slow learner. Yeah, slow learner stays stays consistent. No, um, just I'm I'm working in IT, so it's more centered around the, my field of study, and I'm. Uh, should be graduated sometime this year. So that's kind of been what I've been focusing on as far as professionally. Yeah. Um, as far as me, though, I'm just getting old and fat and bad at golf. That's that's what's happening. Hey, welcome. Me. Welcome to the <laughs> old white guys club. Yeah, I hear it's I hear it's pretty nice in here. You guys have refreshments. <laughs> I think you're officially a Republican, whether you like it or not, when you're old, fat. And <laughs> like, like, <laughs> uh, I'm living like one, I tell you what. <laughs> 
Oh, my word. So it's the new year. Uh, You know, I don't ask this for my own edification because I know the answer, but how was your holidays? What did you do? (laughs) Holidays were good. Um, We switched it up, me and the wife. So normally we spend time with her family in Georgia, which is about a three and a half hour drive from where we're currently staying. Um, But this year they actually came to visit us. There was a lot less traveling. And that was, uh, that was pretty nice. Um, other than that, though, uh, you know, stereotypical holidays, spent it with family, uh, got a little bit of time off from work, so just relaxing. Um, feel more tired than when I left for the holidays, though, somehow, so that's, that's <laughs> how it goes, I guess. I, I, I told your mother, I said, please, for the love of God, I need a month just to rest. And she says, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to work. And she said, I thought you were going to rest. I said, getting back to work allows me to rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's that breaking of routine. I think that at least for me, it tires me out when unexpected things and not my normal schedule happen to pop up. Then I'm like, what do I, what do I do with my time? This is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Do you feel guilty when you're not working? Uh, well, as far as professionally, no. Uh, school <laughs> work wise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me rephrase like I, the question. Do you feel guilty <laughs> if you have long periods of time where you feel like you're not producing <laughs> your goals and sure, what, what you're yes. working toward? I guess would be a better yeah. way. <laughs> the, the answer there is yes, but I just want to you know, clarify. No, I, I will take time off from corporate work at any possible moment. Yeah, when you're working for the man, you don't care. I get it. I get it. Absolutely not. Yeah, I guess that is a, a huge difference between working for yourself and working for the man is Oh, for sure. (laughs) I, you know, I feel derelict if I take more than a, a, you know, a few days off and I know that's not healthy. I know that's not right. But, um, you know, especially when you're, you're in a season where, you know, you have to a little bit hustle because, you know, it's no big secret. Last few years have been a little tight on all businesses of all sizes, no matter who they and what they are. I don't think anybody is just in the, as far as the small business world just you know spiking the ball saying yes <laughs> no i not it, if they are i want to meet them and see what they're doing but yeah for the most part even even at a company my uh, company like mine which is you know plus ten thousand people just over the last couple of years because i've been there about two years um just lots of layoffs uh cutting the fat you know like it, it's not been easy for anyone for sure yeah, and so in the context of that, I'm just like, what are you doing taking this day or two off or whatever what you need to be out there, you know, because you're, you know, as you know, your dad's got accustomed to having a little bit of margin in his life. And when I don't have that, that fat margin, I get. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't like this. No, I don't I get, like this. <laughs> I get that. No, for sure. Yeah. So, well, hey, uh, uh, the conversation I was having before we got on, uh, your dad here has been invited to be the keynote speaker at an upcoming upstate uh, business conference, which I'm excited about. The whole speaking thing is really taking off, doing these uh, business association meetings, chamber of commerce meetings, and and now some of these other things. It's uh, It's been pretty cool. So that's fun. Well, I, know, I know you've been talking about it on the podcast and stuff, but... The seeing that your central focus is shifting a little bit more from online marketing, which it still is, of course, but to also just incorporating a lot of local businesses for you. Uh, that, that's awesome. I mean, that's really good growth. That's well, know, plugged into your community. I'm a victim of my own, you know, whatever, but it's like I was telling the, the organizer, um, 
I, you know, when you, you, we started this thing, as you know, back in 08, and you think World Wide Web, where you're thinking everywhere. You don't think about yeah. your backyard. And even though you're online, your local businesses are online. Everybody's online. Yeah. It's just, it. I guess I lost my focus of local business because I was online. I was everywhere. I wasn't contained yeah. by this little small region. And in the last several months, you're right, I just made a concerted effort to say, hey, well, you know, we're in the upstate here and it is just exploding. As you know, you can't get anywhere anymore. I mean, it takes, you know, two hours to go five miles anymore. Sure. And well, I mean, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, so it just, uh, I started going to some of these meetings and offering training to some of these local businesses and, and one thing has led to another. So it's just, it's been really cool to see because all businesses have the same pain points, you know, and that is get yep. in front of more people and be able to manage those businesses in a more efficient way. So, yeah, so it's been yeah. pretty, pretty cool that, you know, long and short is just refocusing your attention wh where you're actually looking. No, I mean, that's awesome. It's, I, it makes me think of sports in the sense that like a lot of times sports moves in a cyclical nature, but that seems to be true throughout life. I'm pretty dumb. I don't know a lot, but it does seem like, especially in business and online trends that happen. Um, same for the economy. I could only assume would be that, you know, in, in 2010s and then through throughout, you know, the online push was really big. And that's not to say it's not still there. Cause like you said, everybody's online, but we're moving back towards, or at least I seem to you know, see that with my friends and where they shop and where they want to go eat and things like that. People are really like hungry for more local things. Um, you know, Uber Eats was really cool for five years, but what's the new Italian place that's opened up and how can we support those guys? Um, Dude, and, it's amazing you yeah. brought that up. I was just reading an article at in Business Insider uh, and I haven't even, I haven't even, uh, I actually tagged this as a uh, thing to show or share, I should say, later on in uh, on the podcast. And I'm going to send it to you so you can see it as well. But it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Business Insider did a article, and it's talking about the collapse, the collapse of these companies like Uber Eats, uh, da uh, DoorDash, and all these other, uh, how their heyday was in 2020-2021 um, pandemic time. And um, there's been this huge shift toward eating local, working local. Mm -hmm. And what that, their angle on the article is, it, this used to be a viable side hustle you could do. Yeah. But, but now it's almost impossible to make money with these, um, you know, peer-to-peer -peer share writing and um, specifically uh, grocery delivery and food delivery services. I could see that. I could see that. At least the conversations I'll have with people is, I guess it's coming from the standpoint more of uh, the, the philosophy. Uh, I'm geez, sure the word. <laughs> Easy I'm for you to the say. Word philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's trying to sound smart. Yeah. Now, um, I go to school. <laughs> after a company gets to a certain growth point, though, they don't have they don't have a lot of room to actually get better. And so when you reach a level of an Uber Eats or uh, a DoorDash or you start, you know, have, using a service like Uber or like a Lyft, I mean, I think 
in the initial years, you know, of course they want to grow. They want to make more money because it's the whole goal as a business is to make more money year over year. But after you kind of, you know, corner the market and that is your thing, well, your shareholders still want you to grow as far as money wise. And so when that happens, where does that leave your consumer, I guess? Because you're not likely to make so much more improvements that like you're you're gaining new um, users, you know? Yeah, they basically you know, saturated yeah. their entire market. Yeah, and so all you're gonna see is cost cutting effects. And so that's why I know at least for like um, that delivery service Postmates, yeah. I think I was on their subreddit because I was looking at doing that as a side hustle. All of the drivers were just talking about how they're cutting costs and so they're getting less and less payment um, for like for their deliveries, which in it, in, in the years of like 2020 through 2023, when everything is hyperinflated and everybody's goal is just to make more money, you're, you're killing your, your workforce. Like yeah. nobody's going to continue doing that service when all you're doing is cutting like their bottom dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was the way this article was written. It was written from the angle of, you know, people that are looking for viable side hustles to date because, you know, people are still, I mean, I know there's signs in the economy that things are getting better and mm -hmm. uh, prayerfully, I hope it continues. But I think the affect of that is not fully realized throughout the economy yet. I, sure. I you know, especially uh, small mom and pops. I think if you've got money in Wall Street and you're big corporate, you're starting to feel some of the easing of stuff. I, I mm -hmm. you know, because the numbers, say what they say but right. you know just from a you know what people are saying i actually feel on the ground you know groceries are still high yep. uh small businesses are still having a hard time finding a workforce that is producing what they want to produce and able to pay them what they uh the market is demanding right now so there's just a lot of strain in the economy still mm -hmm. uh and so you know, people are looking for viable side hustles. And so, you know, you know, your dad, you know, uh, while my attention has definitely pivoted uh, in the last year, uh, we still have that component. And so I'm always out there looking, how are we stacking up, you know, for our members who want to, you know, use us at, to do affiliate marketing for their own affiliate offers or make us the affiliate, whatever they're wanting to do, how, whatever role we play, how are we stacking up with everybody else? And so mm -hmm. I'm looking at that and then I, I came across it. I can't find it now. I, I've read the article and it took it from my phone as soon as I read it. So it's like, I'm trying to find it while I'm talking to you, but so you uh, made it up hurt. Yeah. Hurt. <laughs> hurt. <laughs> but yeah, I just, and then, so it was, and there's one I never heard of before, but they work exclusively apparently with Walmart. Okay. Uh, so there's that delivery service. There's an, another pair company that is not, uh, associated necessarily or owned uh, by Amazon, but they do sort of Amazon deliveries as a third mm. party. Uh, so there's all of these peer to peer, you know, I need this, need this now that you can go on an app and get stuff delivered groceries, apparently from Amazon. If you don't want to wait the, the two, three day prime thing, uh, same mm. day delivery that these third party companies will do. There's all of these um, that people can do as a side hustle every stinking platform every one of them not a one of them was uh happy as far as the workforce the people that was actually doing it and yeah. so what seems to be happening is from the consumer experience is people that want to and need to make a certain amount they're getting pushed out of that and the only thing you're left with is unfortunately people that have less than desirable 
abilities and skills and attitudes. How's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that the most politically correct way of? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a really nice way to say that there's some really stupid ass people that are holding jobs right now. <laughs> and so, I mean, I basically this entire family, as far as the household, not you because you guys live outside the household, but inside, it's just the DoorDash and Uber Eats are no longer allowed to deliver to this house. I mean, it's just yeah. so frustrating <laughs> to work with them because inevitably, and I don't mind mistakes. You're going to have mistakes. Sure. I can deal with mistakes. Sure. Just give me an efficient uh, way of saying, hey, you missed this or this is wrong or whatever and so that it can be fixed or refunded. But you have to scratch your elbow or your ears with your elbows to try to get a hold of anybody to get a, a refund issued or yep. to say with these apps. I mean, it's just like, and then... God love them. I, I am an immigrant at heart. I know what it's like to to have to go somewhere and work and pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I, But we have some folks that don't speak English. They speak Russian or they speak some other uh, language sure. and they show up at the house. And because they're not native to the language, they're making and it, it'll show right on the back what's included in because they don't read English. They didn't pick right. up everything. And, you know, we're a large right. family, so it's always a large order. So it's just like, I, right. so we now deal exclusively with a local delivery company, you know, um, Hub City. That How much better is that, though? Hub City, I have never had a problem that was not resolved to my liking. Now, I have problems, yep. but here's the thing. You can call them, 864, yep. and then you, the, their number. You actually speak to someone. And yep. you say, hey, this is Tier. What's your address? Oh, yeah. You were supposed to get da-da-da-da. Well, here's what happened. Da-da. Okay, no problem. We'll call the restaurant and get that fixed and get it back out, or do you want a refund? It's right. just that simple. Uh, yeah. do, do they make mistakes? Absolutely. They. I, I would sure. say one out of four times there's going to be a mistake, honestly. And I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent. But the, I've, because you've worked service industry and all the kids have, I've been told by you guys that a family our size, folks hate because there's just way too many moving parts and uh, it's, it's it's ripe for mistakes. It's ripe for mistakes. So we're going to have mistakes and we've got some picky eaters. So we're always like, I need a plain hamburger, you know, or whatever. Right. Uh, But they make it right. And, uh, and here's the other thing that this is a telltale sign for me. I know every person from there that delivers to us. It's about, Mm. there's three different drivers that deliver to us. I'm not saying they only have three drivers in the whole company. But we get the same thing, and they've been there for over a year, which tells mm. me something. Well, it means the, the the job probably pays well if they're willing to stay that long and continue it, doing it. Absolutely. It means yep. the job pays well. They probably don't have an open source app where anybody can just jump on and start delivering. They've actually hired and vetted these people so they know them. Yep. Well, I mean, they're going back to the standard process for hiring people. <laughs> well, yeah, imagine like, that. <laughs> it, it becomes a cyclical process again. It's like, you know what? I think there really was something to the interview process and having a, having a competency standard before we press, you know, pull the trigger on these people. Yeah. Imagine talking to someone and actually getting to know them before you hire them. What a yeah. novel idea. <laughs> well, the other thing is too, I, I don't know the price of Uber Eats. Um, I should give it a try because we've used uh, DoorDash a few times because that's just our local thing that's on our side of town. That's what's more available. Yeah. And we have 
similar issues where maybe not the orders messed up, but for whatever reason, you could leave the most detailed instructions on how to get to this apartment. And it is just like rocket science for some of these (laughs) delivery drivers. And for us, it's not a problem to go drive and pick up our food. Like we're so close to things or just walk and pick up our food or whatever. Cause we have some places that are walkable distance. Um, but my whole thing is during work, you know, like occasionally I'll hit like lunch hours. I don't really have 30, 45 minutes to just go out grab that and come back. Um, and so ideally it would be awesome if I could just have my food delivered to my door. Right. Yeah. And the amount of times I've had to tell them like, Hey, I really need you to drop this off at my door. I cannot come to the door. I may be taking a phone call. I may be with a user. Like there, there's just so many reasons I can't, like, I can't come outside and, and meet you. And I would say like maybe 20% of the time I've done that and it's worked. The other 80% of the time is I get a call and they're like, Hey, I'm outside. I'm like, yeah, congrats, buddy. Figure out how to get in. Cause I, I cannot, <laughs> I am chained I, to my desk right now. <laughs> I literally don't know how to explain to you. I cannot leave where I'm currently at. It's not that type of job for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, so I'll have to give them a shot. I don't know if they deliver over here or not, but well, the, the downside, not Uber eats, but, um, hub city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uber Eats is just as, to me, just as bad as as DoorDash and all the others, the big chain. Uh, But the the downside and the upside, depending on what you, how you look at it. But the, the thing about Hub City is they, 90% of all their restaurants are small mom and pops. They're not the big chain. So if you're I actually wanting, prefer that, that's good. Oh, I do too. I do too. So if you're wanting Taco Bell, you're not going to get it from Hub City. But sure. if you want Capri's or if you want, you know, the Peddler or you want, you know, Delaney's or you want anything like that, Hub City. Yeah. Uh, and it's owned by the same people that have that own about half the restaurants in the, the county anyway. I mean, they own, um, what is it, uh, down by your apartment? Um, I can't think of it, but it's a real frou-frou. And they own uh, all of the Willy Tacos. And oh, okay. So it's that guy. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It's the same ownership. And I think it's smart. He says, hey, I've already got all these restaurants. Might as well start my own delivery service. And then nah, while I'm at it, I'll yeah. deliver for other people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I don't it, know why me, you wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, you know, all it is yeah. is an app. So the only, only barrier he had to cross is figuring out how to develop an app and get it on the app store so people could download it and do it. Well, not to stick on food too, too long, because I know this isn't just a food podcast, local eatery podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing I'm noticing, too, is it used to be the case where you could go to either a fast food restaurant or a chain restaurant and eat for pretty significantly cheaper than you could at a local, like, mom and pop shop. Understandably, because food costs and bulk ordering and things like that. But I would say lately, over the last two or three years, it is almost identical in price for for me at Alicia. Like... We're, we're going to spend about 35 to 40 bucks going to Chipotle, which I'll still sing their praises to this day, regardless of how much they screw up just because the macros, but <laughs> we could equally go to like this Hawaiian grill, which is a local place near us. And it's, it's actually cheaper and they give you way more food. So it really makes me question like, what, what happened? Like what happened in this process where I can go to a local place that's probably sourcing their meats locally or from a local butcher, like getting their vegetables from like an actual garden nearby or at least somewhat closer because they're not going to go to Walmart and buy that in bulk. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know this for a fact, but here's my guess. And you, you tell me if I'm, if you think I'm off on this, I think these big box places, their food cost is way lower but they're having to beef up their margin 
because they're going to pay. They're having to really throw out a ton of cash to get anybody to come work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah, if you are a local mom and pop, you're invested in that area. Anyway, you know, the owners, you might have yeah. even gone to school with their kids. Yeah. Uh, you might even be related to them or go to church with them. And, right. you know, and so they want to pay you a fair wage and, and they might not have as many employees, but, uh, they, they have a little more leverage at getting good people versus there is no relationship value in these big chain bot. The only thing it is, is money. The only way yeah. they can incentivize you is money. And so they have to, I think that's what's happened. Mm. Which, which to me yeah, is a net, net win for the local guy because now it's a fair playing field. And so let the best food and service win, which I think is going to go to the, the local. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, you would think my age group, the, the mid twenties would be all for, I guess, like using apps to get these big box chain restaurants for delivery and, and we're going out to eat. But honestly, like it seems the shift across all age groups has been, I would much rather go eat at the local place it's going to be better service. The food's going to be better. And also like, I, I personally like the idea. Now this could just be my scars from working at, you know, the chicken <laughs> restaurant, but I love the, the Jesus idea that chicken I'm, store. <laughs> yeah. That, that will not be named. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea of giving a local business owner money versus giving some guy that, you know, knows somebody or is related to somebody that oh, makes yeah. plenty of money a year. I mean, there's, there's that personal aspect for me, but that also, <laughs> Seems to be the case for a lot of people because oh, a is. lot of people my age are service workers. So like, yeah, not nah, F that guy. <laughs> well, I do think there is a lot to be said about, you know, karma. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't operate a certain way in a small community, but for so long, and then it's going to eventually get around. It just has to. Yeah. You know, people yeah. that many people can't have the same shared experience. And then all of a sudden, well, maybe it's not me. The problem Maybe the problem is you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So uh, what uh, are you into right now as far as your movies and stuff? I was going to ask. I just uh, I watched uh, I went on a binge this weekend and picked up a few mm -hmm. uh, new movies. So I was interested in what you're watching. Okay. Um, gosh, I wish, uh, I wish I hadn't known that question was coming. I would actually, oh, I'm think sorry. I didn't movie. mean to catch you off guard. <laughs> yeah. You're totally fine. But the, my issue is I'm not much of a movie guy. Um, I will go see whatever everybody is seeing at the time. Um, cause I, I like to stay on top of trends, but as far as like how I judge movies and what I like, I don't watch a whole lot of movies. I actually end up watching more shows than well, anything. shows. Okay. Well, what shows it don't have to be a movie. So we, uh, me and Alicia recently went back and watched quite a few shows. We did finish Suits, which you recommended. Yep. Um, now we finished that a couple months ago. Right after that, I was in the mood for like more, you know, argumentative drama type stuff, kind of like Suits, but maybe a little bit more well produced. Yeah. So we yeah, watched. You, through, did you start uh, seeing the uh, the template they were using? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I sure. start seeing the template, I lose interest, you know. And they were yeah. toward the end; they it really started showing the the formula that they were using. I was like, ah. yeah. I, any any show like that where they do the whole I, I, for me, the one that started that. I don't know if you ever watched it. Did you watch Monk? Yes, Monk CSI was a big one. Monk was one. Okay, yeah. But they, it's the Those same. Have the same thing. Yeah. They have the same template. Now I liked the idiosyncrasies of the character Monk way more than the. Uh, the template bothered me, but I could definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. 
Um, after we finished Suits, though, I know you've seen it. We went back and watched House of Cards. Like we, we finished it. So I just saw a um, interview with him last night. On he was on Tucker Carlson, wasn't he? Is that uh, who it was? Kevin Spacey went to Tucker no, no. Carlson, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, did you say House of Cards? I did. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I heard House, so I'm sorry. I was oh, talking about the actor oh, Hugh. Okay. What's his face uh, from House? Hugh Lowry. Hugh Lowry. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're right. Kevin Spacey was on. Uh, he did a promo for uh, Tucker, and was okay. doing the whole uh, Frank Underwood uh, bit on Tucker Carlson, which was yeah. I, that's <laughs> what that's you know. There's one thing to be. I don't want to touch, but yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. I yeah, get that. I, <laughs> I get the hard to approach. <laughs> I get the shtick. The shtick is you got to be a little controversial. You got to be a shock jock to get attention. But there's just some people. I mean, you don't want Hitler on your show to, for ratings. Yeah, at some point, ratings cannot yeah. be that important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After a while, you're like, I mean, maybe we just exclude some of the Epstein client list. I don't know. Like, I was going to ask you, know. you: Are you nervous now that that's coming out? Folks, you're listening to Excellence in Entrepreneurship. This is the TWU3 Network. Uh, how are you even here? I thought you already skedaddled. Oh, come on. You gotta be kidding me. I thought I was finally free of that guy. <laughs> Bill, it's just, say aye. It's not time to panic yet. Just hope our pal with the private island doesn't come back. Running a successful business requires effective customer management. Meet the CRM Ultimate by TW3, your all-in-one solution for customer relationship management. With the CRM Ultimate, businesses can effortlessly keep track of vital customer information. From names and contact numbers to emails and mailing addresses, everything you need is at your fingertips. Gone are the days of scattered information and missed opportunities. The CRM Ultimate helps you maintain a comprehensive customer database, ensuring that no detail is overlooked. That's all ours, but that's not all. Every interaction, whether it's a phone call, email, or text is meticulously recorded in the CRM Ultimate system. Stay informed about your customer's journey and tailor your approach accordingly. Now, imagine having the power of artificial intelligence at your fingertips. With the CRM Ultimate's advanced AI technology, you can go beyond basic data management. The AI system within CRM Ultimate can generate emails, texts, and even conversations. Streamlining your communication process, it's like having a team of four dedicated employees working around the clock to communicate, correspond, and support your customers. Having the CRM Ultimate isn't just a software solution. It's like expanding your team without the additional overhead. Your business will be equipped to provide exceptional customer service 24-7. Elevate your customer relationship management with CRM Ultimate by TW3. Streamline your processes, enhance customer satisfaction, and watch your business thrive. TW3. Your success is our success. Uh, he's often imitated. <laughs> Never duplicated. You are listening to the TerryWilson3.com podcast. The home of TW3. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm you should very, be. <laughs> I'm very interested. I should be. Yeah, you should be. You should be very nervous. I should be. Yeah. We think LeBron's going to be on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you should be nervous. I'm not nervous. I, I I don't hold any person in such high regard that they can't be a POS. That's all I'm saying. 
I don't unless but, Dave Grohl's on there. Actually, I would be really upset if Dave Grohl's on there, but that's the only exception. I'll be honest with you. I don't think they could put a name on there that would shock me. Yeah, I did. So they've already released some that are on the list. Um, the 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 big one I'm not going to name because I'm sure people have seen it by now. But um, I feel your pain. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that one, and then there's our last president. But <laughs> it depends on which one you want to go with. Um, Tremendous, oh, no, no, no. I've tremendous. Seen, <laughs> I've seen some faux ones though that I that like I guess were just leaks that were completely faked, or I can only assume because they will be naming like middling basketball players that are like very young in the NBA now. I'm like, there's no effing way that like this 20 year old guy. He was 12 was, years old. <laughs> yeah, that was six when this thing was going on. It was on that flight list. Like who's making these lists? Can you at least check the name before you start making stuff up? So like, funny. yeah. Oh. Like when I saw, if, if anybody's like into basketball, I saw Donovan Mitchell, who's like a basketball player that plays for the Cavs and he's younger than I am. And I'm just like, I, are we serious right now? Like these are the, these are the names that we're passing off. Yeah, I don't know if this is part of the new reveal or if this was part of the initial reveal. But the name Tom Hanks was always the one that disappointed me if it was true. Yeah, yeah. You know the others, I I could almost like yeah, I could see it. But Tom I Hanks, see it. <laughs> <laughs> I you know yeah. he's so endearing and he's and I would just hate if that's the case, man. That's awful. That, that's disappointing. Well, I mean, I guess we'll be able to confirm it now that the the logs are actually out and stuff. Yeah, uh, assuming and, that it's legit. Yeah, they, the uh, <laughs> uh, the guy you listen to, what's his name that has the uh, 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 what is it the uh, where they're turning the frogs gay and all that? What's his name? Oh, Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> he went and found a link to the actual court document, so you don't have to go through these different media companies. And oh, he's good. he's sharing the link on uh, Twitter, or which is now X, I guess, uh, yeah. to the it, the exact government judicial website. That, but it's so cryptic. I mean, you really got to know what yeah. you're looking for to see it. Because I mean, well, uh, they they're still referring to like the plaintiffs. Understandably, because I, I saw something that explained why they were doing that. And uh, for anybody that like works in the law, I'm sure they yeah 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 they think we're morons for even having to describe this. But like a lot of the the people that were in there, like either a victim or b like uh, what's the opposite of a victim? The person that does the it, perpetrator, the perpetrator, right? Um, they were referred to as John Doe, and like kind of interchangeably a lot of times it'd be like John Doe 45, John Doe 29, John Doe whatever. And so you don't really know who it is unless you go back and find like the source for what that John Doe person was, if at all it was like revealed. Um, <laughs> they should come up with a like yeah. Bubba or Orange Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. just sort of tip yeah. their hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, I was going to tell you, were you into Frasier any? Did you watch Frasier? Um, I watched it a little bit with mom because she liked that show. Yeah, but I, I didn't know. It's not been something I went back and watched. Cheers was something that came out when we were young. And then uh, Cheers spun off Frasier. And then so in our young married life, that was the show we watched coming up along That's with right. Seinfeld. And uh, then Everybody Loves Raymond. But there's an, a reboot of that. And it is just tremendous. I mean, it's probably, oh, is it good? Oh, I I was preparing myself to be disappointed Right. To, to to be maybe even um you know well disappointed because i just felt like how in the world can you recapture that 
And, you know, it's yeah. what, 20 years later? I mean, good Lord, Kelsey Grammer's in his 70s now. So yeah. How, how can you do that? But it, and it's in a different setting. He's not in Seattle. He's back in Boston where it all started. Uh, he's not a radio host, a, psych, a talk show host uh, as a psychologist answering questions on radio, but he's now a, a professor at Harvard. You know, mm. uh, a lot of the characters, like one of them passed away who played his dad. He was, he literally, uh, they had to kill him off in the show, of course, but of course he uh, uh, passed away literally in real life in yeah. real life and then um his brother his guy that played niles his brother and Roz, uh which i don't want to spoil anything but she does show up in 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 one of, which is reported so but uh, said all i'd say they did a great job a great job i'm, I'm glad to hear that because i thought it was going to be the same um one of the people i work with they're really into the show frazier and so before it came out he was like man i just really hope that they like keep the essence of the show the same and just bring these characters back instead of trying to introduce something too new, you know, if that makes sense. Like I think the whole bit of Frazier and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was just like that. He couldn't be wrong. Like, or oh, yeah. he wouldn't accept defeat. So he was just like very petty on stuff. He's like very he petty. Be, he's very petty. He's a type personality. And because yeah. he's so educated, he's a little bit snooty, yeah. uh, but it, 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 they did a great job of making this A-type, snooty, well-educated, a wealthy person who has all of the terrible attributes of someone that you would think would have all. <laughs> making him likable because he keeps just <laughs> yeah. screwing himself over because of these attributes. And so it, you're sort of, that, yeah. he's the butt of all the jokes, I guess. They figured right. out a way to make him this way, but then make him the butt because he keeps getting in his way. Well, I, the age-old clip of Frazier, if I think it encapsulates the show from what I've seen, um, was when he was in the parking garage and he didn't want to pay like 25 cent extra because he was at the gate by the time the pass had like yes. filled up. And because he had to wait, he went like past the minutes of when he was supposed to leave or whatever. And so there he was going to make him pay like that 25 cent or 50 cent penalty or whatever. And he just wouldn't do it. Yep. Like he was just, he just sat there at the gate, like backing everyone up, arguing with the, the gate attendant, just like, no, no, it's not my fault. You guys are running slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, that is the essence of Frasier. And I mean, that encapsulates the entire uh, show, really. Yeah, I appreciate that. I but like they that. was able to keep that. And at the same time, because of the reality of some actors not able to do it anymore, some passing away, introduce new characters and do it in a way. Every character that, and this is what I told your mom by episode three, uh, this first season, I said, mm -hmm. okay, he's playing Niles' part. He's playing the station manager's part. It's like mm. they took all these major characters that they're missing and replaced them with other people, different context, but same personality and plays the same sort of, you know, role in the narrative as it's Bobby. Mm. Williams. You need this guy that's sarcastic. You need this guy that's always, you know, he's the alcoholic in the group. You know? <laughs> so that's cool. You got yeah. this one guy that's British because they don't have the British lady that's the housekeeper anymore. So they have him. <laughs> you know, playing the, the, the British part. So it, it was, it was masterfully done. I mean, I am worth watching. It's I'll worth to check watching. it out. It's worth watching. And, and to uh, keep it on, uh, I'm sorry, but no, go ahead. No, just to keep it on shows. I know you were not satisfied as were many fans of the ending of game of Thrones. Uh, so you finished game of Thrones. Did you end up watching house of dragons? Yes. And I like you it. did. 
Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. That's what I've only seen season one. I haven't, I think they're supposed to be. That's the only season that's out. Okay. I think they're working on season two. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 It's supposed to come out, I think in a few months. That's what I was asking. Yeah. I think they did, uh, I think they did house of dragons did more justice to like the books and stuff than even the original show did. But on top of that, um, it's actually got its own writers now, like dedicated writers. And they seem to be using that time skip because the books that they're based off of are more like historical pieces, even though it's fiction, like the way they're written are like, you know, historical events, not so much like a linear story. And I think that's giving them a little bit of room. Um, but yeah, I was just going to ask if you had watched it because I thought the show was really, really good. I think I liked it more than I liked any season of Game of Thrones, actually. <laughs> I think House of Dragons was their apology for the ending of uh Game of Thrones. <laughs> Damn well better be. <laughs> that sucked. That was the worst ending period of any yeah. show period ever period. <laughs> it's just so bad. And not even, I know we've talked about this personally, but like not even the, the bullet points that they were hitting, I don't actually have an issue with not to spoil it for anyone that's going to watch it, but there's just like some major things that happened in that last season. It's not that those things happen. <clears throat> it's, it's the way they happen in the, in the fact that it's like, it was just so short. Was, they used way too little episodes to do it. You felt like you were jumping around like the entire world way too quickly. Like yep. things that took, you know, an entire season beforehand is happening in like an episode now. So it just it didn't it didn't feel like a, a worthy payoff. Well, the story lost its flow. It was like yeah. very disruptive. Yeah, it was yeah. like in music. If you pivot too hard without telegraphing where you're going, and I mean, you yeah. basically change songs in the middle of the song. I mean, it's yeah. what they did. Yeah, so. it was it was uneloquent jazz. <laughs> Yeah, in the worst possible. Shoot, it yeah. wasn't even that. It was like going from rock to jazz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we switched to country somewhere in there, and they switched genres, man. It was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah it was real bad. Yeah. So uh, now I did go, and I know we talked about this, but um, I probably, uh, honestly, just thinking about it. Uh, better Call Saul is right up there with Breaking Bad. I, th- I would almost say it's better than Breaking Bad. And I know that's a controversial yeah. hot take. Some people, yeah. I don't because I know Breaking Bad is, and I love Breaking Bad. And I didn't like the ending as much as other people did. I mean, it, it is sure. what it is, but I felt like uh, Better Call Saul was just perfectly written, perfectly executed, uh, characters and everything. You've got the darkness a little bit of uh, Breaking Bad without getting some of the grotesque stuff, which you mm-hmm. know, some that might be a turnoff for, for some people. But you sure. didn't get to see a guy melt down and put in a tub, you know. So th- I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was missing. That's a shame. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind missing that part. Yeah, you know, but, uh, it I was still great. Got, I've still got the last season to watch. I've watched it all the way up until the last season. I just need to finish it. Cause I only watch it on Netflix, like kind of exclusively. And I'm pretty sure it's out now, like all of it's on Netflix, but those breaks for me were kind of killing the pace. Cause I, I didn't have, like, I don't have a streaming service to watch that on, um, other than Netflix. And so I need to go back and watch it. Cause I've heard, uh, Hunter, who someone we both know, he says the exact same thing as you. He yeah. says better call Saul was probably better than breaking bad. Like I, that's how much he liked it. I, I agree. And it's not that you're going to like the way they finished the story as much as they just executed the finish. Well, 
Sure. I mean, they stuck yeah. the landing. <laughs> <clears throat> did you uh, did you see the B side ending to Breaking Bad that they didn't end up going with? I don't feel bad about spoiling this because it's not actually the ending. I didn't see it, but I've heard you talk about it. Yeah. So there's a B side ending to Breaking Bad. Who you know anybody that didn't see it or hasn't seen the show because it's not the real ending. I'm not spoiling it, but there's a scene in season one. I think it's like episode one where he's at the doctor and he realizes or he's uh, diagnosed with cancer, right? And so. At the very end of the show, there's um, a pan into someone's eyeball, or there's a pan into Walt's eyeball, and in the B-side ending, it like zooms out of the eyeball, and he's sitting there in the doctor, and the doctor's like, did you hear what I said? You're diagnosed with cancer. And so what they did was like, it's all a dream type yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't go with that. But, like, <laughs> but imagine you watched all those seasons and you, and you find out that- None of it's know, real. <laughs> Yeah, none of it was real the whole time. Okay, that was a magnificent waste of time. That's awesome. <laughs> Some of the memes that came out uh, after that show ended, one of my favorite is, I've, what's the guy's name? He's the big black comedian. That oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name. But played it, and he's, he's sitting on the bed in that motel room, and he's still <laughs> he's waiting. still waiting. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. my word. It's a good show. It's a great it. show. And, and all of these shows, to me, uh, the driving force is the story. You know, just a great story. Yeah. If you got a great yeah. story. Well written. Well written. Well written. And, and not just well written, in most cases, well executed. And when it's not well executed, it's, it shows up quick. And I think that's what happened with Game of Thrones. It just wasn't executed yeah. well on the back end. It wasn't the storyline. You accept the storyline. You accept where it, I didn't like to where it went, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's the story. Yeah. But they just rushed it. And, uh, yeah. Didn't so I... I, I do have a question for you. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit topics. That's okay. Please. Um, I need uh, some education, some education on uh, <laughs> what. So there's no limit to what you can pay a baseball player. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> you can just like pay them as much of the money as Show you, have if you want to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, yeah. there's no salary cap. There is a luxury tax. There's some sort of tax situation. If the team goes over a certain amount they are paid they're penalized like a luxury tax or something but individual players there is no salary cap for individual players now, interesting now there are some uh contractual differences uh you know where the big print give it a little print take it away you know steph curry can only be paid so much because he plays in the nba but then he has his own shoes he has his own deals. Yeah. yeah and uh so he makes money you know, a lot of times, you know, they, the whole thing about Michael Jordan was he made more money outside of basketball than he did inside basketball. Yeah. And so basketball. Gambling. That's right. Hey, wait, well, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> had to go there, didn't you? Just had to throw shade on the goat. <laughs> well, he wasn't making enough with basketball. Had to bet it all on the golf course. I see the allure. The I'm point golf, I is, the point <laughs> is, you know, that's the whole stick is they, uh, you know, it's the whole Joel Osteen thing and these TV preachers, you know, they all say, well, I don't get paid by the church, uh, right. which is true. But the church gives them a platform to sell tons and tons and tons of books and conferences. So, right. you know, right. so the basketball and, and, and football in a lot of ways is the same way they make a if well, they make a salary, of course, but 
they're making most of their money. Baseball, if you'll ever notice, even when it comes on and comes off, uh, everything is trademark and property of Major League Baseball, any distribution, repurposing, and blah, blah. I mean, it's a whole legalized thing, and they read it out. Without the express written consent of the commissioner of baseball, we'll be um, prosecuted. I mean, so baseball owns everything. So that ball player can't go out and endorse the local Ford dealership in his town. And if he does, that's because baseball is paying him to do it. And he might get a little extra for it, but baseball and that team has their hand in it. So why, why wouldn't, sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt, but why would they do that? Wouldn't it be more beneficial for them? Like they would save money on what they're paying these players. If they could just have brand endorsement deals. I don't know the arguments for for and against. I just know that's the, their business model. Gotcha. That, that um, and they, I don't think that business model is a result of one hundred percent what the owners and one hundred percent of what the Major League Baseball Commissioner's Office wants. And the reason I say that is because of the year nineteen. What was it? Ninety five when there was no baseball because Paul, they were trying to yeah. say, we want to put a salary cap in, but by doing this, we'll give you this, this and this. So we were trying to make it more like basketball and football. Gotcha. And the players union went on strike and they called their bluff and they didn't play for a year. And mm. baseball for a couple of years after that suffered tremendously. Fans would not go out and watch the game because it is a very grotesque, thing to see millionaires talk about making more money and then your average joe barely scraping by and it's it's a luxury for him to be able to bring his son to a ball game and spend 50 bucks so that's your fan base and then you're just putting it in their face well instead of making a million dollars a game i want to make a million five (laughs) Like, yeah, no, I could see that. It's gross. I could see that for sure. It's just gross. And so the fans, re, you know, turned on them, but they tried that. But that's that's the business model. And so now you have Shohei Atani, and and uh, there's this once a year. I forget the the date and time, but you will see all over sports uh, media, ESPN, Fox Sports, and if you watch your social media threads, and if you're following any of the Mets stuff, they'll call it so and so's day. And the reason is this guy hasn't played since 1988 or whatever. They're still paying him. But they're still paying and will have to pay in perpetuity until he dies X amount. I mean, he's like making $10 million a year or something crazy or a million. I don't know what it is, but it's some super that, you know, and that's what they're going to do. If you'll read the fine print with the Shohei, he's making X amount a year and then he gets a balloon payment on the back end when he gets to, uh, to claim the money in a different country. On the one hand, <clears throat> I can understand where they masked that, like how they came up with that deal. No, I mean, if you think about it, really, because it's like he's a pitcher and a really good hitter. He's doing both. Yeah. So it's like, you know, encapsulate two deals for that player that's like really good. It's like, yeah, you'd make 250, 260 if you were a pitcher, and then you'd make 300, a million in this type of batter. So that's where they come up with like, you know, 75% of a billion dollars. But, um, yeah, that's just a lot of money. I mean, I get it. It's over like 11 years, you know, who's to say that pairs won't players won't make more come five years and that deal will look small in comparison, but Jesus, a billion dollars. That's, 
That's well, a lot of money. Trump said he could have got it for five hundred thousand, but with Biden, <laughs> yeah, that's Biden's inflation price, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have done it legally, but he would have gotten it would, done. That's what, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're not going to worry about how it gets done. It's just getting done. <laughs> I'm, I'm results oriented, not so much process oriented. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, let the let the pointy headed guys from college uh, argue over the process. <laughs> yeah. Oh my word! So well. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was just interested because what they do in basketball is a little different. I mean, obviously the the contractual stuff with they can like do their brand sponsorships, but the other thing they do in basketball, which is odd, is everything's based on their like TV ratings and TV deals. And so every like I would say seven or so years, that may not be exactly correct, but it seems like that much. Um, they will restructure like the amount that pair, uh, players can make. And so if you look like five years ago it was like 150 million dollars over five years that was like a max contract that was the max amount of money that you're really going to see a, a player make that's why you see players like uh steph curry and lebron um they've got they're making like 43 million dollars a year over five years because that's that's just kind of how you could structure the deal back then but the deal that was signed this offseason in basketball was for uh, a shooting guard named jalen brown on the boston celtics he's a very good player maybe not that good because he signed a $300 million contract for five years and he can't really dribble left. And so everybody's kind of like, what are the deals going to look like for our big guys? You know, our top 10 players kind of like Shohei once they're up for contract negotiation. Um, Cause that we're still about a year or two away from that. Yeah. And it's going to be wild. I think with the Shohei argument is to put it in equivalence of basketball it would be like, okay, instead of playing, f paying for five players, we're going on to put four out there because this one guy can play both center and guard mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. the same time because gotcha. that's really what's going on with Shohei. He can pitch and hit yep. in the same game, yep. uh, which is just a freak of nature. I mean, that's, you, it, it is a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see. Do you think that's going to be a trend like in the next 15 years, you're going to see more and more players that can also hit and pitch because of Shohei? Ah, depends on the way baseball moves forward with their with their rules. Like, I, not to get too deep in the weeds, but at, about 10 years ago, it got to this point where baseball was getting very, very, very niche. In mm. other words, you would have this one pitcher and he does this one thing and that's all he can do, but he's the best at it. And so if you had this hitter come up to bat and he can, he can kill you, he can do anything, but he can't hit that one pitch. Then you get mm. that guy out of the, 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 the bullpen and you pitch him. And then the next batter, you get another pitcher. You can't do that mm. anymore. They changed the rules because it was getting that. It was sort of ruining the game a little bit where you had, gotcha. you, you all of a sudden would have had to have a hundred players out there. And this guy, Oh, all this guy does is touch first base. <laughs> You know, right, but the game yeah. requires more than that, and so the, a decision had to be made in the game. You know, do we want to allow our development programs to start? Because you're going to incentivize them to say, "Hey, you, you naturally can do this one thing, so forget sure. everything else and just work on that and become the best at it." And so they changed the rules and said, for every time you pull up a a, a pitcher, he has got to face three batters. You can't pull okay. him until he faces those three batters. So what that did was 
then that told the other team, hey, they've got so-and-so that can pitch like this, so make sure if you got batter A that's going to struggle with him, batter B has to be someone that can kill him. And you sort of alternate. And that's why if you look at a lineup, most of the time it's lefty-righty, lefty-righty, lefty-righty. And it's a, a guy that swings hard, and it's a guy that makes contact. And it's a guy that swings hard and hit the long ball, and it's a guy. You know, because they're wanting to alternate back and forth so whatever that team's pitcher can do, that they know he's got to face three hitters, and at least two out of three is going to be able to, to take care of it. Strategy in baseball is so weird. I mean, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's cool. chess. That's, that's yeah. the thing. It's it's more than just the sport and the athleticism. It's it's the, right. the chess in it, which you know it's boring. a lot of subtle subtle stuff that I, I someone like me probably wouldn't pick up on. But it's really interesting to hear about it from you and River because I know you guys like really care about it and you watch it a lot. Um, there's a lot to it that more than meets the eye. There's there's a reason it's it was. I know it's not anymore, but it was so slow. And so <laughs> they've they, well, <laughs> it's still slow, but it's not as slow. And, sure. Yeah. And what's amazing to me about that, talking about making changes and trying to adapt to the new market and all that. All the and your dad's gonna be in that group of just the old timers. Leave things alone. You know, it's sure. it's worked this way for a hundred years. Why mess with it? Yada yada yada. And I was just, when they introduced that pitch clock and uh, how many times you can disengage, you know, doing all this stuff to just uh, speed the game up, I was worried they was going to ruin baseball because at the time it was the only sport with no clock. Every other sport mm-hmm. has a clock. Yeah. Every other, maybe golf, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, golf, yeah. But team sport, you know what I'm saying? A team sure. sport with no clock. And I felt like making that change would just ruin uh, a particular, you know, nuance of the game that no one else has. Well, it didn't. It, it just improved it. Everybody, the worst critics of it, you know, they might not admit they're wrong, but they've stopped criticizing. And I actually enjoy the game when it moves as fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had I yeah. knew that more action meant more entertainment. <laughs> I think it. I think it's so long, and I don't think baseball will struggle with this because they're very rigid in their rules and their unspoken rules, and it seems to take a while for things to change in that sport. So I don't think you guys are um, at risk of changing too quickly. But it is. It, it is a nice payoff when you see like a change that everybody was kind of harping on at first actually end up being really, really good. Because that did happen in basketball this year, and I was one of like the criticizers because they do a thing now called the in-season tournament. Yeah. Um, and they give a, they give a trophy for it. And then the players each, uh, get like, I think it's like $500,000 or a million dollars or something to win the tournament, which is, I think it's 30 games in 25 games in. So is this the the thing that they play during the off season? Is that no, 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 no. Um, this is something that they play like 25 games into the season. And what they do is they all go to Las Vegas and they play in the Las Vegas stadium and they paint the courts like this really bright and eccentric colors based on the team. Um, the, the whole thing about it that at least that they seemed to want it to be was they wanted um, their players to show more effort in the early season because a big thing that happens with basketball is like some of these players will go off and they'll get named MVP and then you see them in playoffs and they're like, well, what happened to the dude that just won the MVP award because he, he doesn't even look like he cares right now. And this in-season tournament was a way of like the guys that are competitive 
and the teams that you may not be paying attention to early on in the season, they may be playing so well they'll make this in-season tournament, and then you get to see the matchups between who's going to be in the playoffs later this year. And so, it, it, I mean, more than anything, it brought viewership to the regular season because people like me are like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to watch the Houston Rockets play Utah because why would I give a shit? Like it's we're, we're 20 games into the season, but when they're playing the end season tournament, it's like, hold up. There's a trophy with this. There's some money on the line. These players are playing way more competitively. They're allowing defense. And it was actually a really good change. Like every, every de- detractor of it, you know, when it was first announced seems to, seems to be on board now, similar to the, the baseball. So squad. are they having a problem with engagement and viewership? during the middle of the season and is that what, yeah okay yeah so it's it's kind of funny didn't matter at that time is that that's that, exactly what it is and so it that was kind of it's the thing that you and i have joked about for years now but it's like i'll watch you and you're watching baseball six days a week five days a week six days a week you have baseball on and i'll be like oh is this a recording and you're like no this is just the next game and i'll be like that's weird because it was on the day before and the day before and the day before. And it's the same damn team. How are they still playing? Like it, <laughs> what's well, a series. They play three to five times. I get it. I, I, I get it. Three to five times, 180 games. But my point is <laughs> basketball fans are so much farther on the scale where a very high action sport, which is very centered around highlights and like quick cuts and, and things that are like very entertaining to the eye, right? Like it's very similar to wrestling. So you're saying the, the fan base is an ADD is the problem. I, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that is the fan base, even that fan base, which like already has everything to their advantage where it's a shorter season, you know, not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of downtime as far as the action on the screen. Even those guys, like 20 games in the season are like, yeah, I just don't really care about this. Like I'm not, I'm just not going to watch this until it matters. And so they, they found a little bit of a way to, to circumvent that because the viewership was way up on that. That is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, what if, why not just watch a sport because the sport itself is entertaining to watch? I do, but it's <laughs> I mean, not at its best. Like I understand you get an adrenaline yeah. when it really matters. That's why they call it playoff playoff uh, baseball, you know, or what they call fall ball is when your heart sure. starts beating. And it is true. Every pitch counts. And I mean, they even film it different. If you'll watch the way they, they, the photography and the videography of baseball during the playoff season versus the regular season. I mean, yeah. it's like they bring in Hollywood. They bring in Hollywood, and you see yeah. that that picture just a sweat. I mean, it's it's dramatized. <laughs> well, for me, I can't speak for everyone, but there's two big reasons that I I don't always get it super super interested. I'll still watch it, like if it's on or if I'm having dinner and it's something that's like available to watch while I'm eating or something like that. Uh, of course, I'll watch it because I love basketball. It's it's one of those things that I'm not going to take time out of my day to go watch it, or I'm not going to schedule it. But the big things that make it change, at least for me, is, and part of it's the NBA's fault. So the NBA YouTube channel posts the highlights from literally every game, like within, like I think an hour of the game being done. And so if it was a good game, I saved myself like two hours by just getting to see all the highlights, all of the good passes, all of the shots, all of like the big break moments. Um, in that game on their YouTube channel. But the other thing in the regular season, and this is the thing that, you know, your crowd complains about. And I I agree because it's frustrating to watch is they're not allowed to play defense. A lot of times in the regular season, like 
I don't want to watch Joel Embiid, who's the center for the Sixers, get fouled 32 times in a night. Like for me, I'm just like this is just stupid. This is in, this is killing the game. Like just let them hack him. I understand it's a legitimate foul. I understand these are an actual foul being happened here. You know, I'm not going to argue that, but I don't want to hear it called. Like let them hit him in the face. That's fine. I want to see him play through it. The dude's like a hundred pounds over everybody. He, he should be hit in the face. What else are you doing on defense if you're not hitting that dude in the face? You well, know? now explain who this guy is because I'm you've lost me. Why why is it okay to to foul him? Okay, so Joel Embiid is a center um, for the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers. He's a very, very good player. Um, he's from Cambodia. He's like seven foot two, probably like 270 pounds, 280 pounds. He's got a lot of finesse to his game. Is he so built he like, like Shaq or is he thinner than Shaq? Yes. Okay. No, he's built like Shaq. He is a big dude, but okay. he can handle the ball. He can post players. He can kind of do everything you'd really need him to do. Can he shoot? And he can shoot. He can shoot really well. I think he's shooting like over 36% from three, over uh, 42% from um, mid-range. Like him taking any kind of shot on anywhere on the floor, you're like, yeah, I'm okay with that shot. But when you can do all of that like really well, I don't want to see – because his thing, though, his go-to thing, especially in the regular season, is he goes down low or he like will cross somebody up and go down low. And then the moment that they can't stop him – because how are you going to, like you had to play him close because he can shoot, he's going to get called. And so you see that dude at the free throw line more than any other player all the time. Great player, not taking away from his talent, but just watching that, it's not an enjoyable experience. I don't want to see this dude at the free throw line well, for like 15 minutes. He's because of, of his size. They can't, yeah, get, they can't do anything. It's, it's not enjoyable. So it's you're not trying enjoyable to give them clubs and hammers to, to, to even it up. Well, I am. But in the in-season tournament and during the playoffs, that goes out the window. I don't know what happens to the refs whenever playoff time comes, but they just let them play through. At least that's what they say. I hear all the commentators say all the time. Oh, they're letting them play through. And that's a funny way of saying, hey, he just hacked the shit out of that guy, and they're not saying nothing about it. And I love it. Let it happen. Unless it's LeBron. Let it happen. Well, LeBron would cry about it. That dude, I'm sorry. Just the other day i saw him cry i was like good lord can you just one time one time get get something called against you and just suck it up and take it buttercup okay but it was his birthday you don't understand it was his birthday they can't call that on his birthday he's allowed oh, to get what he wants on his word birthday. what a what a cry yeah. baby I, I, I saw that too it was not a good look that being said in the replay it really does look like that was a three-pointer because that's what he was arguing. It was like the end of the game shot. So that game would have like given them the win. Um, and his toe was like just a centimeter on the line when he had the ball in his hand. So granted, it's a two-pointer. Listen, if I, that was the yeah. only time, if that was the only time, it'd be like, okay, he just, he's, he's, he's complaining because it's a, it means something, but it's all the time. Yeah. It's all the time. So it's just like, God. he's just really competitive. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Some players they punch their teammates. Other players they they just take it out on the refs. <laughs> it's a spectrum. He's on the spectrum. He's he's on the yeah he's Complaints. on the charter spectrum. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you this. Uh, so I'm taking your younger brother and sister to karate Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And normally I just drop them off. And then when I come back and pick them up, I never get out of the car. Um, but Israel had asked me, hey, Dad, can you come in? I need new um, uh, gi, I guess is what they call it, mm-hmm. for his karate. And so I said, yeah, 
And so I come in and, and I typically park away from people just cause you know, I don't want to get hit and I don't want sure. people with the, cause their parking is, uh, is sort of narrow anyway over there. So I parked over on the side. There wasn't anybody there at the time. And cause I don't want doors opening and, and hitting me. I go in and talking to his, uh, uh, sensei or whatever the proper term mm-hmm. is of what he needs. And so then all of a sudden I hear my car just burp, 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 you know, and, uh, I look out and I don't see anything and then it stops. And I was like, okay, maybe just a false alarm. And I'm looking around so I can see through the glass. And then, okay. So I'm going to go back and start talking. And then this lady runs in, uh, who's driving the white Tesla? Who's driving the white Tesla? And, uh, they know me over there and said, pointed at me and she walked around. Is that your white Tesla out there? I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, I hit you. I'm sorry. <gasps> I was like, you, you, you hit me. She said, yeah. And she goes, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And so I walk out, and sure enough, this five foot two petite lady, sweet lady, is driving an F three fifty jacked oh, up. Oh God! And I, she couldn't see out of that dashboard if she was in a high chair over the dashboard. Uh. And she had parked beside me, went in, and got her kid, come back out, and was taking off. And she cut it too quick, and her back right tire, which the treads, because of the type of truck it was, it's one of those treads that where the treads were actually going outside of where the sidewalls of the tires are. You know, it's just real gnarly looking. Yeah. So when she cut it tight, that that tire just got my front fender in front of the, and, and I told Gina when I got home, uh, we exchanged information and all this other stuff. I was like, I have never in my life had such a concentrated period of time where every car we have owned, <laughs> every stinking car, and that poor yeah. lady, she was crying, and she's like, "Can I just pay you? I don't don't turn this into my insurance. Don't turn it into insurance." Hell like, no! Are you like, kidding me? I was like, "Well, ma'am, I, I I gotta have it fixed," and she says, "Well, I hit a Mercedes six months ago, and oh then in November." God. In November, I hit a Lexus, and now I've hit a Tesla, and my husband's going to kill me. I don't, yeah, I mean, there's no nice way to say, like, that really sucks, but absolutely not, because this car is expensive, and it's going to be expensive to fix, and I will not be paying for a dime of it. None of it will be coming out of my pocket. She's going to pay for it. Actually, I went and uh, met with someone up in North Carolina where we're from that goes to our church as a body man that I really trust. And I was like, here's the situation. If I pay you cash for this, don't turn it in. Just, we're just going to pay it. I want it fixed. I want it fixed from the factory. Like it's supposed to be. What will it be? He gave me a price. I text her and I said, this is what I'll need in cash. And mm-hmm. I says to pay for this. And I had him write it. And she says, come Thursday night, you know, when you pick up Israel, I'll have it for you. So she's willing to, because I think they're going to drop her insurance if uh, if she has another. I told her, I was like, ma'am, I said, I'm not trying to get in anybody's business, but you need to talk to your husband about getting you a car that you can see out of. I was just about to say, I was like, yeah, look, I get it. As a husband, you go, I want my wife in something secure and sure, safe. And, my you know, word. She, right. But it's like, and you know, she's a bad driver. And if she gets hit, she needs to survive that type of thing. But <laughs> there's a limit, right? Like if you, I, I'm really shocked after the Lexus that they weren't like, you know, maybe like a Subaru Crosstrek would be good for you. Those are safe. And you can see like, <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, honestly, you, it's one of those type of trucks you almost have to have a ladder to get up in anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just like, and she's she's literally about two, maybe three inches taller than your mother. I was like, oh, this Lord, is, this is not the vehicle you want. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for her. Not that bad because it keeps happening. And at some point, sorry's don't cut it, but uh, I get it. Poor lady. Hey, but the good news is I said all that to say when I first bought that car, I let my eldest son drive it and he put it on. I was about to ask about that. I was like, did she happen to hit it though? Where I also, and because it it is attached to the same area, I'm getting that fixed as well. Nice. So so really this is a blessing in disguise. (laughs) The Lord works in mysterious ways. The Lord works in mysterious ways. So anyway, that was good. Yeah. You've got a, you guys are on not a great, uh, not a great timeline here where all of your cars just get jacked up. Well, I would complain, but none of it's been our fault. I mean, not a one of them has been our fault, but my, yeah, mine either. Yeah. It's just like, what is going on? You know, yeah. suicidal horny deer are running out in front of your mom. You know, I found yeah. that I, I was asking one of the folks at our church that does deer hunting and knows more about that kind of stuff. I was like, why is it every time this time of year, this season, deer are just everywhere around here? And he says, because they're rutting. I was like, well, what does that mean? He means he said it means they're all horny and they're running to their mm-hmm. next day. I was like, mm-hmm. he says, and so it could be an oncoming tractor. They want to get to the other side if you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Thinking wow. with your penis <laughs> tends to not be the best way to another story of how <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know that it happens in animal nature and not just human nature. <laughs> You <laughs> thought it was just never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, dude, I'm excited about the new year, and uh, this is my first podcast. Uh, oh, and, I'm and on your first podcast. You're back. on my first podcast of 2024. Apologies and, in advance, everyone. Yeah, apologies in advance. I didn't want to just start it off with just business, 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 business. And I thought you and I could just, you know, shuck the corn here a little bit and just catch up and see where you were at and what you were doing and. Tell you a little well, bit. I, I appreciate you having me back on. It's nice to know that I'm welcome. You know, I, anytime, come back anytime. I get people asking all the time, "Where's Reagan? Where's River? What are they doing?" You know, and so uh, no. uh, ticket support is mainly handled by AI now. <laughs> so we <we've, laughs> we have automated you guys right out of a job. <laughs> so. You know, before we hop off here, I do have to let all the users that uh, it was like the most common thing I would hear working ticket support for you was that, uh, you know, I'm sorry I'm filing a ticket. I know I'm your problem child. I I feel so bad that I have this issue. I just want to uh, reiterate that, you know, none of you guys were problem children, but not only that, in comparison to like Fortune 500 companies and dealing with these tickets, like whether it be IT or security type stuff, our our old, uh, my old users, you guys were a dream. Like, you know, a baby in a manger dream of users, just the sweetest, most kind and understanding people that could be, and your issues were understandable and not all that, you know, it's understandable why you'd be having the issue you were having because the people I support right now might be 
that I won't say anything that's going to get me fired, but I just want to say I really appreciate you guys. But there's a significant difference. Well, there's a vast Grand Canyon size difference between the two. Now, I don't want to frame this for my own uh, benefit, but I do. I'm, I am curious since because you have a very unique perspective and I would I'm curious about this. Genuinely curious. Yeah. So do you think that someone who has the uh, desire to be sort of more of a self-employed business owner, that 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 is a different personality makeup than someone who's just and I don't want not no disparagement, but someone who's just working for a company clocking in and having to do this task. Do you think that plays a role into maybe some attitude or expectation differences? (laughs) I'm so glad you brought up attitude. (laughs) Yes. um, To answer your question shortly. Yes. But the long answer is it's not only that because it is a it's a mindset makeup. I know you talk about mindset all the time, but it really is. You can see the difference between somebody that's trying to do something on their own and they're trying to make it work. But for me, when you mention attitude, I'll, I'll, I'll give a short example. I can think of a ticket that we had at TW3 that was like a plugin that they had installed um, on their app and it, it wasn't working correctly, right? And that is, it was user error because the instructions we were following, like something didn't get configured correctly. Normal, it happens, but they were very understanding and they were very apologetic. They even filed the ticket, okay? On the flip side of that, and, and to add to that uh, before I get away from it, these are people that purchased our software, right? right? These are people that made a purchase. So they gave us money to use this stuff. Okay. Right. right. So in my head, I would be like, I would understand a little bit more actually. And that's not to give you guys an excuse to just, you know, bitch at dad here, but <laughs> thank you. On, on one hand, on one hand though, I could see like, yeah, I would be really frustrated if something I purchased wasn't working. Okay. On the flip side, I'm supporting someone that is using Excel every day, all day. This is her livelihood. This is what she does for a living is use these GD Excel formulas. Okay. She (laughs) files a ticket and I get on the phone with her and I'm trying to support her through this. This woman is paid 80 to $90,000 a year in her HR role to do this one job with this one damn spreadsheet thing. And that's all she's got to do. And all she's got to worry about and I can explain it a million different ways to her. What she's doing is not going to work the way she wants it to. And I have the, you know, my support of Google and I have my support of Excel forums and I have my, and I can tell her it, and it requires me going into her machine and physically showing her this isn't why it works. And of course she's pissed off at me and she raises a complaint against me because I wasn't being supportive enough and didn't fix the issue that literally couldn't be fixed. But said all that to say, you know, it is, it's a mindset difference because I'm looking at that going, well, lady, this is literally your only job. If I'm jumping into your machine to do this, I'm literally doing your job. If I, if I'm running these cells, by proxy, I'm literally completing your job and you are paid very handsomely to do this one damn job. Whereas our users, you know, they they actually shelled out money to do a thing. And, you know, it's not easy either. And they're way more understanding. So you have empirical reconnaissance that you can testify to that there is a difference between a person who's self-employed. Night and day difference. 
<laughs> night and day day. And the thing is too, I'm fine with somebody collecting a paycheck and being like, yeah, I really sure. just don't want to work. I can, I get, Oh my God, I can sympathize with that. Like if she had started, you know, the ticket or the call with like, Hey, fix this. If you can, if you can't, I don't really give a shit. That's uh, just, this is the thing that I've got. I would be like, you know, totally fair. It's the casting of blame where it's like, you didn't fix it. And it's, 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 that's, that's the part that irks me. It's like, well, number one, can't be fixed. But number two, this is your job to do. If you had an issue with this, they pay you a lot of money to just be able to run this damn Excel program. Like you should be able to do that. That I don't feel like I'm being insane for saying you really should take some responsibility here. <laughs> That's the old meme. You had one job. One job. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like, I mean, yeah, uh, not to get off on. <laughs> spends I, 10 minutes 10 minutes on a tangent not to get off on too much of a tangent here but yeah <laughs> uh, mindset difference well you know the per in the perfect world people that had that kind of attitude would not succeed and people that had an attitude that i'm gonna take ownership and responsibility in my job that i do at this company that the system that that company uses in previews the world through then the efficiencies of that system brings them up and raises them up you know and that's the only problem yeah. i've always had with big corporations and large companies is there's so much inefficiencies in it that that human element of politics and mm -hmm. personality seems to outweigh efficiencies in in doing the task and to the point that it just creates a debt it creates this apathy throughout the workforce with good people that oh, it at, does. at some point you're like, what's the use? What's the, yeah. mean, that's the whole problem with, you know, not to get into politics, but it literally is the difference between socialism and capitalism. Capitalism works because if you do well, it, true. I'm talking about philosophically. I'm not talking about the way it's sure. executed on time, but sure, the sure. mindset is if I do X, Y, and Z and I work hard, I win. And yep. if I don't, it's a sport. It's a sport. Yep. And when the game gets fixed to where no matter how well you do and how well you play and how many points you put on the board, you still don't get rewarded. Then yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's rife for bad attitudes inefficiencies, people that are pissed off perpetually. Yeah, I get it. And then you get a call in the middle of the night. Hey, the office is burning and everybody says, well, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. reward the guy that set the fire i don't care yeah. <laughs> true story <laughs> <laughs> oh we're burning down that's the best news i've heard in six months tell me more so uh, do oh, we, it's gonna take a year to fix sorry do i get paid for the year that y'all <laughs> that's the question i've got <laughs> yeah yeah no i hear you oh goodness well thank you for being on episode whatever this is 589 i think uh, I Goodness. tried so hard to get to 590 because I just, or actually I wanted to get to 600 so I could start 601, uh, but I just didn't have it in me with all the new stuff that was happening around the, the business and speaking and, and going out with the local stuff, which has been very rewarding. Uh, I wasn't able to keep up with some of the, the podcast productions that I needed to, but uh, anyway. Thank you for having me on. I feel not just sarcastically, but genuinely, I feel honored to be invited <laughs> back and be on for the new year. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys <laughs> later. Bye, everybody. So we hope you've got a lot out of the content today. 
Uh, please take a few minutes to give us a five-star positive review at terrywilson3.com slash review. This helps us promote our content and continue to reach more and more people. Um, again, thanks for being part of the TW3 community here at terrywilson3.com. Please like and share our content and we will see you soon. Hey there, business owners. We all know that every missed call could be a missed opportunity. And in today's fast-paced world, it's crucial to stay connected with your customers. That's where TW3's missed call text back service comes in handy. Imagine never missing another call from a paying customer and saying goodbye to those annoying spam and solicitation calls. With TW3, you can make that a reality. Here's how it works. When a call is missed, our innovative service automatically sends a text back to the caller, letting them know you'll get back to them shortly and even carrying on a conversation with them through text to keep them engaged. No more missed opportunities, no more frustrated customers. It's like having a personal assistant for your phone. I can't believe how many potential sales we were missing before using Terry's service. Now, every lead gets a prompt response. I think the best part of this service, in my opinion, is it filters out all those annoying spam calls for sure. That's huge for us. My team can focus on what matters without interruptions. But wait, there's more. With TW3's easy to use dashboard, you can customize your settings, manage all of your calls, and track customer interactions and engagement. Are you ready to transform the way you handle calls and ensure you never miss another opportunity? To experience this amazing service and get a free demo right now, call toll-free 877-748-2109. Again, that's 877-748-2109. Just call that number, hang up, and watch the magic happen. Get a free demo now by calling 877-748-2109 and simply hanging up after the ring. TW3, your business connected. Introducing the revolutionary reputation management system by TW3, your one-stop solution to enhance your business's online presence and reputation. Are you ready to take control of your online reputation? Look no further because TW3 has you covered. Our powerful software is designed to inquire, capture, and publish the authentic reviews of your valued customers. Let's delve into how the TW3 reputation management system can transform your business the key benefit of our system. We make it incredibly easy for your clients to leave positive reviews, boosting your business's online reputation. When a customer has a fantastic experience, their positive review is instantly published for the world to see, driving up your business's positive reviews. But uh, what if a customer had a negative experience? No worries, our system ensures that the negative review is sent directly to you, the business owner first. This gives you the opportunity to address the issue with your customer before a negative review is published, preventing potential damage to your online reputation. By having a way to instantly publish positive reviews and capture and address negative reviews, the TW3 reputation management system helps your business not only maintain, but increase its review score. And here's the kicker, consistently published reviews don't just affect your reputation, but they also have a profound impact on your SEO score. Higher SEO scores mean more visibility for your business online, and that translates to increased traffic and more potential customers. So whether you're a small local business or a large corporation, the TW3 reputation management system is your secret weapon to success. Join countless businesses who are already reaping the benefits of this innovative solution. Don't wait any longer. Boost your online reputation, improve your review score, and skyrocket your business with the TW3 reputation management system. Contact us today and let us help you take control of your online presence and reputation. TW3, your reputation is our mission.